What part of the Middle West? I inquired casually. San Francisco. I see. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. Welcome to Reading Rainbow, folks. Wow. Laura, what was your melodious voice doing at the beginning of this podcast? It sounded like oh. you were prolificizing something. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I was. I was just quoting um, our good friend and <laughs> our personal friend, Scott F. Fitzgerald. Um, we're doing this new segment here. And I just realized it's not his name. It's F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> Wow, what a bosom friend he is. Yeah, what a we great friend. We don't even know his yeah, name. We're cool we, like that. we just call him whatever we want. Yeah, that's we're cool like that. Anyway, uh, our new segment is to present a memorable quote from the book. It can be funny, it can be really deep, but some of them like that one just don't really make sense out of context. And they struck me as interesting. So, so think on that. Chew on that as we dive into the deep dive that is... Yeah. What's the title of the book, Laura, for this month? The Great Gatsby. <gasps> yeah. By F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, by that guy. Boom. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I have a proposition for us, Laura. Let's try and record an episode that is under 45 minutes. Let's under 45? We oh, we gotta speed run this. It is a sprint and not a marathon today, folks. Although, okay, I don't like when people say, <laughs> I'm already off topic, but people are like, it's a marathon, not a race. A marathon is a race, yo. Anyway. Yeah, you idiots. Okay, let's just do a little deep dive into the the real world. It's been like kind of a eventful month so far mm-hmm. in mostly bad news, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, on the 28th of August... Uh, Chadwick Boseman's death was yeah. announced. Um, who, if you don't know, uh, is you T'Challa, know, Black Panther. Yeah, and like that's the only role I ever saw him in. I know, you know, it just kind of sucked. Not really what the news that we needed right now, especially amidst Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it was talked about how uh, Chadwick Boseman was fighting stage four cancer. Yeah. This really, yeah, made me, it made me cry. I was really sad when I found this out because he's just mm-hmm. such a positive role model and like positive force as an actor. He visited kids mm-hmm. who had cancer while he himself had cancer. And I'm like, what the, what strength and like what energy he had to have to like go out and like do that, do that for other people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it is not only the singular, like, individual, like, Chadwick Boseman himself dying mm-hmm. is, is like, heartbreaking. Yeah. But also, again, in on top of everything that's going on, on top of the pandemic and BLM, like, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I think it just adds to... So much grief. Yeah. Um, there was also another shooting i mm-hmm. mean among many that are still going on unfortunately yes but i mean it started tre- trending um and it was jacob blake in kenosha wisconsin yes yeah so when do you remember mm-hmm. when that happened yes it was it was september 6th and there's been so much other more fallout because of course there's been you know more protests in that area and there's just been way more i mean news of like civilian militia like traveling to that place to you know keep the order 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, like real people are being harmed by these other civilians. Yeah. Then there was that, uh, he, like a white guy who was carrying around an AK-47 or yes. something like that. It was a teenager, what? like a 17-year-old. Yeah. No, and I, I remember when I went to a protest, like we were protesting in, in front of City Hall and then adjacent to that to that corner was a guy just who had an ak-47 or i don't even know i don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of gun it was but it was like a full showy looking gun i don't know just out in the open yeah like slung on his back and i was like why isn't this person i like even if they're not using it like they don't need to have it out and presenting to the entire world like why isn't this person why aren't the cops talking to this person and saying like hey you don't need to have that out. Like, yeah. None of no one else is armed. No, absolutely. No, no other one. civilian is armed. Like, right. why do you need that? Mm-hmm. So that is actually how I chose the organization that I want to promote uh, this mm-hmm. time around. So since there is all these protesters uh, in Kenosha um, who might be arrested and stuff, we want to protect them as much as we can. So I thought we could promote the Milwaukee Freedom Fund. Um, so that is kind of a bond collective. It was started by black and brown Milwaukee organizers um, who wanted to see residents supported as they asserted their rights to protest for justice. So they gather resources for bail, court-related costs, rides, food, water, and other needs, and they are helping the protest- protesters in Kenosha. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will put that link in the show notes. Yeah. I like one of the popular links that is always circulating around is the like BLM car.co or whatever where it's just basically like oh, yeah. a link tree it has all these other places and so i looked into that and one of them is the marshall project mm-hmm. and it's i'll just read the mission statement it says the organizations that seeks to create and sustain a sense of national urgency about the u.s criminal justice system mm. we achieve this through award-winning journalism partnerships with other news outlets and public forums in all of our work, we strive to educate and enlarge the audience of people who care about the state of criminal justice. And one reason I am kind of want to highlight this project this month is, um, first of all, last episode we talked about the Kamala Harris-Joe Biden ticket. It gets me thinking about like how we do, we're governed by mm-hmm. bipartisanship, and that's and we have seen that it is severely dysfunctional and mm-hmm. so i think uh the fact that this that the marshall project is highlighting nonpartisanship is something that's really important to me and then another reason that i was drawn to this is because on my newsfeed i've also been seeing a lot of like oh is your newsfeed returning to normal if so that means you're following you're like not really again we've talked about the black lives movement is truly a movement not a mm-hmm. moment it's not something that's trending and so when it's kind of getting erased from your social media feeds then it kind of it's and it's not something that like it needs to be a personal attack on you but it's just saying like hey you need to start following mm-hmm. resources that will keep you in the know and keep like reminding you about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and so that's another reason why i think the marshall project is is a good one to highlight that being said i mm-hmm. started listening to the podcast here to slay hosted by roxanne gay and Tressie McMillan caught him. And I think I started listening to it because you showed me their Twitter. Yes. And so then I, they're on Luminary, which is a paid podcast platform. Mm-hmm. That being said, they do have a couple free episodes. The reason I want to, I chose to amplify them this month is they did an episode on discussing the Joe Biden Kamala Harris ticket, which we had talked about last episode and said, like, hey, 
we want to address this, but, like, we're not really the people. Yeah. We're not, like, we should not be your main resources. There's plenty of people who have something to say who are more educated and qualified. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you that these are some of those people. It was really interesting to hear, like, because it's hosted by two people. And so they both say, like, hey, we have different views and here are different thoughts on it. And I like mm-hmm. it was just really informative. So, um, here to slay. Definitely listen to them. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, listen to their episodes and subscribe to Luminary. So Yeah. Mine is actually also related to a different podcast called Ooh. The Penumbra Podcast. I followed them for, like, ever, um, which is, like, five plus years maybe. Um, they are mm-hmm. a fiction podcast. And they actually now have two different ongoing shows, like, under the same thing um they're amazing i will never stop talking about them i love them um super queer stories and like just like subverting different tropes and stereotypes and like telling really important stories yeah like diverse in terms of like um, ability and um, gender expression and i love them anyway so the person but I'm, I'm also promoting the podcast but the person in particular i want to promote is called on that is their name um they've so they actually they were kind of a guest um actor on a podcast because they were actually chosen because they're also a folk musician but then they also played a character and then they've been um, brought back to voice other characters in other other episodes so we would definitely follow them on like twitter and check out their music i'd love the penumbra if they ever said anything to me personally i would be like oh <laughs> no don't you have a shirt i do i have their shirt i'm gonna have more things repping. you've been repping yeah like yeah one day they'll invite me on their podcast <laughs> one day yeah one, one day, day we'll yeah. do a collab it'll be great so we will be linking to all of those on our episode notes check those out um but without further ado let's get into uh the book let's the good get into gatsby the, the mediocre gatsby the no, pretty dark good gatsby our favorite book you know in the whole world Mm. yep um so i think i'll just start off with did you read this in school yeah we did and okay my experience with it was my junior year of high school i know we talked about a lot of books in junior year but this in my brain takes up like 60 percent of the year like i feel like we talked about this book for 10 months (laughs) like we read the book we talked about it we for extra credit i watched like two of the old versions we watched, I think, one in class, and then we also, and then we went to go see the new one as a class, like a field trip, because it came out that year. So we talked wow. about this book forever. <laughs> oh, that's that's fun. Well, isn't it? Yeah, I never had to. Again, big surprise. Never had to read this, but um, let me just. I'll just before we get into everything, let me read you the wiki blurb. We'll just go from there. Great. <clears throat> The Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald's third book, stands as the supreme achievement of his career. This exemplary novel (laughs) of the jazz age has been acclaimed by generations of readers. The story is of the fabulously wealthy Jay Gatsby and his new love for the beautiful Daisy Buchanan. Of lavish parties on Long Island at a time when the New York Times noted gin was the national drink and sex the national obsession wow, new york times racy it is an exquisitely crafted tale of america in the 1920s and blurb wow that one made it so like the best novel ever. wow they absolutely told us nothing and yet everything at the same time yeah wow that was a really um punchy blurb okay you ready for me to hit you with that summary yeah. But for me to actually tell you what it's actually about. 
Yeah. Give, All right. give me actual details. Okay, Concrete. cool. So this guy, Nick, moves to New York, and he's not rich. He's a regular average schmo. Um, and he somehow gets a deal on this like tiny shack on like a kind of a rich island, and he's on West Egg. I really hope that's tr- I hope that's right because I'm not going to check. We're not going to fact check ourselves. No. Listen, we read the book. We don't need to prove it to you. Yeah. So he's he's there's two eggs, and he's on the the poorer one, um, but it's still pretty fancy. And he moves in next to Gatsby, this guy who just has wild wild parties at this house that like tons of people just show up to. Like it's a tourist thing. They just come and then drink his alcohol and ruin his house and then go home party meanwhile an east egg nick has a second cousin named daisy who is married this dude named tom um and they are they're rich people they just live their lives but tom has another woman which daisy is like fully aware of but like can't do anything about she's a woman yeah because she's a woman and then it turns out that gatsby moved there specifically because five years ago he had a thing with daisy he fell in love with her, but he was poor. So uh, it took him five years to make a fortune. And he got so much darn money to buy this house across from her to be her neighbor. But then to just hope that she comes over one day without him saying anything. I don't know. So he just stares at her house all the time from across the bay. And yeah, he was surprisingly like... He was, like, surprisingly passive up to a certain point because he's, like, aggressive enough to be, like, I'm going to buy a house right across from you, but then I'm not going to talk to you. Right. He has, like, no reservations about certain power moves, but other ones are just out of the park. Like, he cannot imagine talking to her directly. I cannot Um, fathom. So then Gatsby and Nick become buddies, and, like, he's like, hey, Nick, like, you were friends with her. Invite her over, and then I'll just happen to be there, you know? And Nick's like... Uh, that's kind of that's kind of weird but all right <laughs> and he does and so yeah daisy and gatsby get together but they kind of they have some miscommunication because gatsby really wants everything to be the exact same as five years ago and daisy's like mm, i have a husband now and i yeah. do kind of love him um, it is so, literally impossible for things to be the same exactly <laughs> that's not possible so everything just goes to shit if i may swear like <sighs> Like, Tom is like, no, I looked into you, Gatsby. Like, your money is not clean. He, they're never specific about it, but Gatsby's broken some laws to get where he is. And Daisy's it's like... It's bootlegging, listen, I, y'all. It's, it's the 1920s. It's yeah. bootlegging. But he might have killed a man. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so some, sprinkle in some murder, some Maybe homicide. some murder. <laughs> you know, put those two next to each other. Um, and then Daisy's like, uh, I kind of do like Tom, even though he's, like, ruined me. And... Daisy and Gatsby are driving, and they hit a woman who happens to be Tom's mistress. Um, and they keep driving. It was Daisy driving, but Gatsby takes the fall because the woman loves her so much. Yeah, Tom's mistress. Listen, buckle up. Literally, Tom's mistress's husband goes to kill Gatsby because he thinks that Gatsby's the one who killed him. And Daisy and Tom just run away. They move away because they're rich and they can do that, and they don't have Problem to deal solved. with the law at all. And Nick is just so upset. This whole time he's been living his life, presumably, like, getting money from his job and, like, dating this girl. But he's just so disgusted with everybody that he's just really sad at the end. And that was a really long summary. But, listen, it was – for a short book, it would not end. (laughs) 
Yeah. I also want to say, like, while you were telling me the summary, it totally made me think because mm. I'm in the middle of watching the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriends. Okay. And um, I have a really hard time watching that show because I find the character, the main character, so infuriating. Actually, mm-hmm. all the characters. But, and so, like, watching it, I'm just like, I don't, don't do this! <laughs> but, like, they can't hear me. And it's already predestined. So... But, like, that's literally the same thing where it's, like, Jay Gatsby's the main character in Crazy Ex-Girlfriends because mm. she's like, I want it to be, all be the same. And then you're like, it can't be. What are you going to do now? And then she <laughs> just, like, strings everyone along. And not mm-hmm. that, you know, but anyways. So that's what it made me think of. And also, I forgot, in Midnight in Paris, the movie with Owen Ooh. Wilson, um, F. Scott, our boy F. Scott Fitzgerald is in there. Yes, and Along Zelda. with Ernest Hemingway and all those writers from like the 1920s mm-hmm. or whatever. Actually, yeah, the 1920s. Well, all the writers writing about the 1920s. From the olden days. <laughs> from, you know, ancient times. Um, and that movie's freaking wild. So if you ever yeah. want like a seriously dr- dramatized version of anyone from that mm-hmm. time period, just watch Midnight in Paris. It is interesting. We watch it together. Yeah. You, you were there, I was there, wine yeah. was there. End of story. End of story. Uh do you want do we want to move on to unanswered questions? Yeah, I have a million of them. <laughs> oh good. I have like Well you know me, I have one. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's let's okay. head over there right now after Woo! this transition. Okay. Laura, tell me your questions. I'll tell okay. you no lies. Okay, you want to know something fun about myself? Yes. Uh, currently, I now have Libby, Overdrive, Nook, Kindle, and iBooks, or whatever the Apple Books thing is called. I love that for you. Oh, thank you. That's like me and Messenger apps. Like, I have a specific folder <laughs> for just different ways to contact people. Mm-hmm. I got Discord, GroupMe, Talk, Line, Messenger, Skype, Ooh. Snapchat, WeChat, WhatsApp. Like, what's up? We're <laughs> living in the digital age. Okay, listeners, I, I've i tried the Nook app this time for a book, and it is not easy at all to use. The highlight function it doesn't work. And I don't think it's optimized for an iPhone. I think it's optimized for an actual Nook. And they just, like, copied and pasted it into the iPhone, and it didn't work. But no one and then they gave said up. anything. <laughs> okay. Okay, my question. Okay, so Gatsby's car, the infamous car... I just want to know, what does this car look like? And I, I will tell you why I, this is a question. This is the quote from the book. I'd seen it. Everybody had seen it. It was a rich cream color, bright with nickel, swollen here and there in its monstrous length with triumphant hat boxes and supper boxes and toolboxes and terraced with a labyrinth of windshields that mirrored a dozen suns. Sitting down behind many layers of glass and a sort of green leather conservatory, we started to town. Like, what does that mean? I like, I know I don't know anything about cars, but I don't know what that is. You're like, stuff. I don't even know what to picture in my head. Is this right? like. Also, okay, so it's, let's say it's a yellow car with green leather. It's a real statement. Something nasty. It's cool. a real fashion statement for cars. So that's my question. What does all that, what does this car look like? I always just imagined, I'm just like, it's the 1920s, and pretty pretty much anything from the before times yeah. just looks like the same car, which mm-hmm. is just like, it's like the car from, like, Monopoly. That's what, except yeah. for, like, you know, old and 1920s-esque. Well, like, and that's the whole thing with this 
freaking book. Every description mm-hmm. is just like $10 words and like a $2 yes. sentence. It's just like a lot of reading and I found it all pretty superfluous if I if I may say. I have another question. Yes. There's a there's a moment. There's a like a day where um Gatsby and Nick go to hang out with Daisy and Tom and Jordan. Oh yeah. Right, Jordan is um Daisy's friend who she is also kind of dating Nick. She's like a golfer too. I guess that's important. She's an athlete. But yeah, she's just another rich person who's there. That's all, folks. And that's it, yeah. We can talk more about her later. But anyway, so there's the five of them, right? And they're hanging out. And at this point, yeah, like, Daisy and Gatsby are canoodling. But Tom doesn't quite know yet. But again, everybody knows that Tom is another woman. Like, that's just common knowledge. And then, like, they're at Daisy and Tom's house on East Egg. But they're like, well, you need to go to town. And there's this whole back and forth thing of, like, Daisy being like, let's go to town. And Tom be like, no, I don't want to go to town. And then he's like, well, everybody wants to go to town, so let's go to town. And it's like, this is exactly what men do when their ego has been shattered. So they're they're hanging out, and they're going to town, all right? But then there's this weird bit of dialogue where Gatsby's... Okay, again, there's only five people. Like, Gatsby's like, shall we all go in my car? And Tom's like, is it standard shift? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, you take my coupe, and I'll take your car. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's switch cars. And Gatsby's like, no, I don't think there's enough gas. And Tom's like, well, I'll get more gas. It goes on and on and on. And they're all in two cars for no reason. <laughs> I think... So I just want to know why. I think I the answer. I think at this point, they're just too rich to actually have problems. That they're yeah. really just like... Listen, if we if we actually are efficient in the way that we talk, we'll get there and then we'll have the rest of the day and nothing to, to do. Really so we really got to stretch it. We got to milk it for all it's worth. We got to explore, explore every inconceivable, improbable scenario, mm-hmm. including going in two separate cars, possibly even getting a third car, buying yeah, a third car. Yeah, on the way, like for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Also, Tom doesn't like the car. He's like, no, this is, a, this is an ugly car. Okay, my next question is what does... Daisy's voice sound like because Fitzgerald spends like many 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 instances in this book describing what her voice sounds like for the reader this is I just I'll read an example of why I'm confused why this like voice is such a thing okay it was the kind of voice that the ear follows up and down as if each speech is an arrangement of notes that will never be played again um, and later he's like I just realized what her voice sounds like it sounds like money and i'm like that doesn't tell me anything more but okay thanks laura your your voice sounds like a like a new pair of glasses oh thanks your voice smells that's the highest compliment i could give thanks your voice sounds like sparkling water (laughs) oh my gosh your your face looks like a hotel lobby (laughs) <laughs> take that what you will take with that what you will that's basically the descriptions we're getting in all of this it's just yeah. like the car looked like a dozen sons what <laughs> a, do- a dozen really really scott really f scott what is what does f stand for do we know no that's my I unanswered don't. question I what is f-, <laughs> f scott fitzgerald's name even though i could just look that up yeah Oh, okay. This will be... I Okay, truly, I have a lot of unanswered questions. Like It's Francis, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I have two more. Two more, okay. And they're kind of really one question. So, like, Nick and Jordan, like I said, are there for a lot of this. But, like, they're there even when it gets to be uncomfortable. Like, 
when they're all hanging out, again, the five of them, and Tom just comes out and says, like, I know you're with my wife and it's not going to yeah. happen anymore. <laughs> like, like it says, like, Nick and Jordan try to leave, but they all insist that they stay there. <laughs> and, like, when Gatsby and Daisy are, like, hanging out, Gatsby's like, no, you have to be there, Nick. Like, you have to be there. I don't know why. <laughs> right? This leads into my single unanswered question the story is all told from nick's point of view you know we hear about gatsby and all of like nick has to be there for us to even know about it and i think Mm -hmm. that is like nick is basically god in this right because yeah he's just existing but i don't know why they made him a character like i don't really understand why f scott fitzgerald like made nick a character if he wasn't gonna do anything with him yeah because this entire time i was just like How does Nick feel about this? What's he doing? (laughs) Yeah, like, the only, the one time I can remember where I was, like, Nick standing up for himself, go Nick, was, like, when he first, or I think it's, like, the second time he meets Gatsby. Nick is coming home from hanging out with his homies, and then Gatsby goes into his house, or, like, he's walking to his door, and Gatsby meets him, and he's, like, hey, old sport, let's go to Spain or something like that. And Nick's like, no, I'm tired. It's like four in the morning. He's like, come on. And he's like, no, I'm tired. And yeah. then that's the only time when Nick's like, no, I have go away. emotions. And I say no. Yeah, because like, it bothers me so much. Like, there's there's a scene where he's on the train, like, on doing his own business, going to the city. But Tom sees him and he's mm-hmm. like dragging him around. He like pulls him off the train. He's like, we're going to go meet this other person. <laughs> Or he's and it's like in the book it says like oh the assumption was that I had nothing better to do <laughs> it's like it, Nick why I mean, don't like, you like leave <laughs> yeah why don't you go somewhere and I guess I get why like Nick is necessary because at the end for him to be someone has to be outraged on Gatsby's behalf and someone has to like be disgusted by what all the rich people do like um, you know Daisy yeah. and Tom and stuff it's oh, just, and, but like, at the cost of like him having any autonomy. <laughs> Yeah, and Jordan's kind of the same way. So I feel like the reason that Jordan exists is only to give exposition for Nick. So it's oh, stuff yeah. that Nick can't know. So then Jordan's like, well, I know this, so I can just tell you. So she, like, gives us a lot of backstory on yeah. Daisy and Tom's relationship. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, I don't know, how the rich people yeah. live. That's what she gives us information on. Right. Well, she also, she kind of is part of, like, Daisy and Tom's crowd because, like, yeah. she is kind of aware at the end of, like, what happens with Tom's mistress, like, dying and being hit by the car. She's kind of aware, but she's not really as bothered by it as Nick. And so that is, like, like Nick can't see her in the same way again. That's what I read. And to be clear to the reader, listener, whoever you are, like, Nick's sto- his life is told, like, he gets a job at a broker, he breaks up with a girl back home, he is from the Middle West, um, <laughs> and, like, all this stuff, but they only tell you at the like, the end of a chapter for, like, a paragraph. Yeah, and I don't like, even remember that part from listening to it. He's like, I know it sounds like this is my whole life, like, Gatsby's my whole life, but no, this, like, I only saw him three times in, like, two months. But I will mm-hmm. say, he takes, like, the longest, wow, like, windy, <laughs> roundy, windy road to get yeah. to the actual heart of the story which is just like dead mistress like very tangled love story mm-hmm. yeah we definitely talked about that a lot in class too about um how how sexist the world is and yeah how um women who have like less autonomy less control over their lives and get much more violence enacted towards them and that's mm-hmm. pretty sad yeah oh yeah because like tom is like physically 
abusive. Abusive, yeah. Um, do you have any more questions? Because otherwise, I kind of want to go into, like, the intended takeaways. Yeah, let's go to that. Okay. Just going off into that, like, gender roles played a huge part in this, and mm-hmm. that's... But I, I was also, like, not that surprised, because I feel like any story about the 1920s, like, I wasn't that surprised where I was like, what do you... What? Daisy has no, like, say in the marriage? And, like, right, yeah. oh, how surprising. Like, it wasn't was that it surprising. Was double standard? Yeah, what? what? Unheard of. Other takeaways I took, again, mm-hmm. lots of hedonism. It's just, like, after the war... People are lost, and they're looking for something to do with their time, and it involves drinking and partying it up, and Mm -hmm. probably drugs. The end. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say, um, okay, well, first of all, like, my takeaways in high school. I loved The Great Gatsby the first time around. I thought it was, like, a really exciting and, like, engaging story, and... I, I mean, I loved Nick and Gatsby. I thought they were, like, good friends, and I was, like, I actually, I shipped them together. I was, like, they should just run away and marry. They'd be a much better ending, and I, I, mean, I still do think that, but <laughs> to be clear. Yeah, I just thought it was such a tragic story, and I was, like, wow, Gatsby's such a good guy. But now I can see, like, mm, Gatsby's kind of a, first of all, all these people are weirdos. Also, the dialogue was really hard to decipher as a high schooler, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just not smart enough to read this. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, no, this doesn't make sense. You're like, turns out I was actually a freaking genius in this guy. Yeah, it turns out I had good taste in dialogue, actually. <laughs> and, okay, Gatsby, again, like, I thought that was so tragic. I was like, oh, he's still in love with her. Like, that's romantic. And, like, she doesn't love him back. That's so sad. And now I'm like, no, it's been five years. And this has been your one goal for five right. years? Like, yeah. Recently, I watched um, The Notebook for the first time. Oh, wow. And that's, like, the same story. And you're like, on one hand, very sad that things didn't <laughs> work out for them, like... And it was the same thing yeah. between these guys as it was for Gadsby and Daisy, where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, a class thing. Like, they can't be together because they're not, you know, in yeah. the same social hierarchy. But then, yeah, it gets to a point where you're just like, well, okay, one of them managed to move on. And although I don't commend Daisy on her choice in Lovers, right? she, like, does decide to move on. And then it is kind of creepy that after all these years, like, you realize that time has actually passed. And he mm-hmm. has chosen not to. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. And I think at some point Nick is like, he's waxing poetic as he does about how like beautiful it is that Gatsby has such hope and such like, he has such like belief that this can happen. And I'm like, no, that's like unhealthy. <laughs> oh, and also, um, yep. It was racist then. It's racist now. By, you know, whatever, six years passing for me has not changed that. <laughs> Hasn't Fact about aged the book. well. No. The way they refer to people of color and also not just as the characters how they refer to them but as like Fitzgerald refers to people of color yeah yeah it's like um, like not, he's making those you choices you can't be like oh it's a characterization thing you're like no that's yeah again we talked a lot about the symbols of color like uh like the rainbow color not of people of color <laughs> <laughs> yeah like how oh the, there's okay so when Gatsby's looking at Daisy's house there's a dock with a green light we talked about how the green could mean money, green could mean go, green could mean all these things. Oh my gosh. Like, new beginnings. <laughs> and I was just, at the time, I was just like, yo, I don't care. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'm listening to it now, and I still don't care. Yeah. I don't care about what the color green I don't means. Know. I remember that being a thing in the Leonardo DiCaprio, the Capricorn movie. He, what, it like zooms in on the green light. And I'm like, you know, I get it visually that it's like a 
I don't know, an interesting thing to zoom in on. Same. I just think as literarily speaking. Well, yeah, and I also, <laughs> I usually wonder that, like, in schools, when you're having a discussion and they focus heavily on something, yeah. and sometimes I really wonder, I'm like, was the author giving this much thought into it? Like, was F. Scott Fitzgerald sitting there at his typewriter and being like, yeah, and the color shall be, and he thought about it for a month, and he was like, green, because of all these reasons. Like, I really feel like he was just like, and the color was green because, like, it's not yellow yeah. like all the rest of the lights, so yeah, it'll and really I'm like, catch okay. the eye. Right, I've like written stuff, and this is a person. This is a person. I don't think about themes and like symbols as much personally. And like I, I understand like everybody's different writing styles and writing yeah. structures. And yeah, no, and so I, like I'm also a writer, and one day when I get published yeah. and my <laughs> texts are taught in curricula everywhere, I want to read some of these students. <laughs> critical analysis like literary analysis of my works yes. and i want to see what just what they can like they're gonna take like the smallest thing like the character cross left of the stage instead of right how is that symbolic and i'll be like listen dude it was just like a matter of where the stage was right and how it played in my head like there was literally nothing playing into this other than like whimsy why aren't we literary professors already <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right why aren't, why aren't more people listening to us our insights. <laughs> uh, of course, we're always grateful for you listeners. Always. Yes. You guys count, and you guys are our uh, disciples, basically. So spread our basically. good word. Yeah, go. Run sure. along. Um, let's move on to ratings, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, I give this a 3 out of 10. Did not like... The movie, at least it's visually engaging, like lots of colors, roaring oh, yeah. 20s, all that stuff. But And great this, soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack, amazing. Lana Del Rey, we love her. But mm. like, yeah, I was listening to the book and it was just so hard <laughs> to care about anything they had to say. I will say, now that I think about it and the fact that like Jay Gatsby doesn't end up with Daisy, maybe it was F. Scott Fitzgerald trying to turn, like, trying to put a mirror in front of society and say, like, see, you need to move on with your life if love mm-hmm. doesn't work out. However, uh, a lot of this is based off of, like, an experience that Fitzgerald had with one of his yes. lovers. So then I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, no, I think he's just glorifying it and, like, making it even more pathetic. So yeah. that's why I'm a 3 out of 10. I also did a 3 out of 10. And the, similar to The House on Mango Street. I think this is also due to my first reading of how, um, you know, the first time around, I like, it's the opposite though. I loved it the first time. I thought it was like such a tragic and great hero. And now I can be like, no, I don't like his choices. <laughs> and like, yeah, the dialogue, I guess, like, I'm not a good judge of the dialogue of the 20s, I will say, but like, it has to be snappier than that, right? Like, <laughs> You know, maybe that was how it was in the 20s, but the point of writing a book is not necessarily to capture, like, real life. It's to capture the interesting parts and to engage your reader. So Mm -hmm. there has to be some give and take between, like, realistic depictions of what it was actually. Like, you know, even in a documentary, like, you don't capture, you may capture everything, but you edit out a lot of shit. Because you're like, listen, y'all don't need to, y'all already know that conversations can be really really boring i'm just not gonna show you those cards what do you rate nook what's your rating for nook oh nook uh, one out of five (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i would give it and the stars because this book was a dollar it's because okay in libby 
it, if your phone is bigger, it'll adjust the number of pages to like how many fit on the but that phone yeah. screen size. But the Nook and the Kindle don't. Like they tell you, oh, you're still on page fifty three, and it's been like four screens, and you're like, when will it end? <laughs> yeah, and highlighting is just a pain on this one. So that's my scathing review of Nook the app. Nook more like shook at how how Nook, bad this more like app sucks. Look at how I can't highlight. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the Gatsby. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Maybe I'm actually okay. I'm gonna raise it to a four out of ten. <laughs> oh wow! What changed your mind? Um. Yeah, I guess just like the cultural iconness of it, like it has endured. It's like elicits emotion for me. I will say that. Mm. All right, fine. The Great Gatsby, you got a four out of ten from Laura, but I'm standing my ground. You yeah. got three out of ten. It also, because I read like Fitzgerald wrote this, and then like everyone hated it, and then he died, and people were like, "Amazing work." Oh yeah. Which, so he like... died thinking that his work sucked. So that kind of sucked for him. Yeah. Little Which, did he know. What the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what changed after he died that made this, like, gave him real raving reviews, but, uh, whatever. I know, like, what happened? Okay. Great Gatsby got raised to a 4 out of 10, and I still gave it a 3 out of 10. I don't Great. think either of us would still really recommend it, but yeah. let us talk about books that we would recommend. <laughs> I have two recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. I'm recommending okay. this because I didn't like this book either. But I will say if you were, if what you liked about this book was the kind of like representation of a different, like the historical fiction of a different time um, and capturing kind of what America was like for affluent white people after a war the sun also rises is basically the same story but it's set after world war ii and it's just rich people traveling around and then trying to like find themselves you know it's an eat pray love but like Mm. in the 1920s and just ruining everybody else's lives basically Mm -hmm. the main character is in love with this one person and then she's going around and it's just like Mm -hmm. so uh, the main character is more like getting the point of view from Gatsby than it, than it is from Nick. Like, he definitely plays yeah. a much more active role in his own story. So I'm going to recommend that one. And then the other one that I would actually recommend is Normal People by Sally Rooney. I will say the content of this book, it has sexual assault and sexual violence. Mm-hmm. So please be aware of that if you decide to read this. But I'm recommending this because it is a love story and it talks about, like, different classes and things not working out between people and i think Mm. it's just a lot more engaging so those are my two recommendations nice i have one it is called the last equation of isaac severy by nova jacobs and this one is um it's a fun murder mystery kind of like a treasure hunt too uh it's also has a lot of fake math and i read this a while ago but i thought i think the math was like okay to me this is a big (laughs) thing for me if there's fake math in a in a book as a math major, I will critique it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this also, it reminded me of The Great Gatsby because there's also, I mean, there's a big family and for the most part, the family's really rich, but some parts of the family, like these adopted siblings, kind of their branch of the family is either, I think, fell from that wealthy class or something else happened. So like there's juxtaposition between those two backgrounds. And yeah, I would recommend it 
because it's just it's about rich people doing their thing and other people just trying to live their life but they have more autonomy than nick does so that's all we're looking for people more autonomy so what are you currently reading though i well okay as of like yesterday i was reading sense and sensibility by jane austen Mm. and then i i realized that like a teenager marries a 35 year old and (laughs) i thought like maybe maybe i deserve better than that (laughs) so i'm i paused that reading and i'm currently i'm honestly i'm on the i'm searching for a new book well i will say that i am currently listening to the hate you give by angie thomas it is topical it talks Mm -hmm. about it's the point of view of star who like the inciting incident is um her her friend gets shot in a police shooting Mm -hmm. and he was unarmed i don't know it's it's an engaging read for me i don't really have the words yet to articulate why i'm why i like reading it or or Mm -hmm. why i'm enjoying listening to it but i would recommend it I'm also reading Loving Day by Matt Johnson. And then I'm reading No Matter the Wreckage by Sarah Kay, which is Mm. a book of poetry. And I've been getting more into poetry for a number of reasons. First reason, uh, I started watching Spoken Word, so I just enjoyed that. And then I kind of want to see the written form. Mm-hmm. Two, I made a goal where I was going to try and read 100 books in 2020. Yeah. Um, that is still my goal, and I'm never going to give up until it's 2021. However, mm-hmm. uh, the, the what constitutes as a book, it's no longer just, you know, your typical fictions and nonfictions. We're at poetry in there and plays mm. and sometimes long articles that happen to be on Goodreads that I can add to my shelf. Well, listen, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, listen, I, yeah, yeah, my goal is 52 for the year, and I've read poetry and, like, you know, whatever, the yeah, Mysterious totally Benedict Society. <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. I'm that's not saying I'm they're all going to be, like, at the same level or equally Right, as... like, that's not the point. The point is not to read, like, 100 Anna Karenina's. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a marathon, not a race. Am I right, Laura? No, you're not, but I'll support you anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I would... Love to talk about the things I have read. I have read since last time, but it's a lot shorter because I have started a new job. Yay! So, um, my count is way down. I will say. So, what I have read since last time, I finished there there by Tommy Orange, and I did like it. It was sometimes hard. Like it just the prose wasn't clear sometimes. Like there were just a lot of run-on sentences i think is what they would be um it just it just made it difficult but i liked because he ties together like 10 perspectives which is definitely hard and it's he's high he's writing specifically about like urban native americans and talks about how they are not like really it's not really about it but he does make a point like how they do have lives in cities like they don't all live like we think on reservations or settlements but it i will say it did contain like a really violent scene it's not quite a mass shooting but it is like a, a shooting in a public place so a lot of people get hurt mm. the next one i read is binti by nandetti okorafor which is a little sci-fi novella and it was uh an interesting story it but there is fake math in this one too and i wanted more from it i will have to say <laughs> but 
the world building was really cool and because it's really um part of the genre of afro futurism or afro sci-fi like bringing in elements of like african-american or african culture into sci-fi um world building so it was really fun to learn different different ways that sci-fi can grow and like sci-fi can include cultures like that in their narratives it's a lot of like alien diplomacy and also murder and like weird Mm, body you say yeah but also weird like body horror warning possibly if you don't like that the third one that i managed to finish in this i've started a lot of books and haven't finished them so they're not on this list but i also read where the mountain meets the moon by grace lynn and that is like a middle grade book um based on like chinese folklore tales i read that book for my asian american literature class oh okay nice I mean, is it was partly me just trying to like you know get more uh, exposure and experience with Asian American literature, and mm-hmm. it was really really cool because there's an essay at the back of the author talking about her connection to her own culture yeah. and like how she hopes that this book can help other kids, yeah, see more Asian American representation in their books. You know, not just for Asian American kids, but for everyone. I really liked it because it was like I don't know. It's been a while since I've read a story that's in this structure of like folklore, which I don't. It's not. I don't mean to say it's simpler in the sense that it's, like, not academically challenging or intellectual, but it is, it's just a refreshing format that isn't necessarily bogged down by, like, word choice or plot twists or anything like that. Oh, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just more streamlined like yeah exactly yeah yeah. and so i i that was one thing that i really enjoyed when i was reading that book gotcha and that's all the books i've read okay well now it's my turn and i'm just gonna run through these quick i was in the middle of reading magic for liars by sarah galley oh yeah i still have no idea how how i've decided to pronounce their name um hunger a memoir Mm. of my body by roxanne gay it discusses uh, the able body and largely talks about being fat and it, it talks about able-bodiedness and what it means mm-hmm. in America which I think it was very mm-hmm. stimulating to listen to so I would recommend it um, I read some poems one was New American Best Friend by Olivia Gatwood Olivia Gatwood performs mm. with button poetry so she does a spoken word performance and then this same uh, book of poems New American Best Friend it has one of her poems that she read aloud and so it was interesting to compare like how i was reading it and then how she mm-hmm. performed it and i think i don't know with poetry i'm always kind of like the form is something that really mystifies me and i don't really necessarily understand it so this that was just mm-hmm. interesting to compare the two another book of poetry that i read was helium by rudy francisco and then peluda by melissa lazada oliva or mm-hmm. oliva i don't know i'm probably butchering these names but uh, all those are really good. Like I said, I think my favorite was New American Best Friend. Um, I finished Disappear, Doppelganger, Disappear mm-hmm. by Matthew Salisis. Would recommend. It's literary fiction. And what I mean when I say that is it's, like, gonna make you think. And it's not really something that you just sit and digest mm-hmm. and, like, it's over. Um, with literary fiction, I usually take it to mean that it's taking your expectations of what you expect fiction to be like and subverting them mm-hmm. and or challenging them. Like... The Hate You Give and double, Disappear, mm-hmm. Doppelganger, Disappear, while they both tackle race, they do it in really different ways. Um, Normal People by Sally Rooney, which I already talked about, 
Um, this is a book by Dimitri Martin, which my friend lent to me, and I would recommend that 100%. Ooh. It was so good. It made me laugh. It was funny. And it's a bunch of short essays, super digestible. I read it over the weekend, and like there were times when I actually laughed out loud. Nice. So, And then, lastly, I just finished this one like two days ago, The Underground Ooh. Railroad by Colson Whitehead, yeah. which you had read, and I listened to. Um, okay, I'm done now. Those are the books I've consumed. Okay. And- <laughs> That's a lot. That's nice. It was a race, but the race is over. We've crossed the finish line, and let's cross that finish line by plugging ourselves up (laughs) with uh you know thank you for joining us for our ninth episode thank you for joining us for our ninth episode (laughs) thank Thank you you specifically laura okay you're welcome um and the readers and listeners and everybody else everyone in the world you know the ninth episode also marks the ninth month of the year oh yeah over (laughs) Uh, i know know how i feel about it but um if you want to tell us how you feel about it or a podcast or anything email us at reading not reading at gmail.com which i will spell presently r-e-a-d-i-n-g-n-o-t r-e-a-d-i-n-g at gmail ooh, g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m sorry I've always oh, assumed wow. you know how to spell those things and I really shouldn't I shouldn't make those kinds of assumptions sorry Laura you seem a little tuckered out oh I am so, <laughs> listeners if you have suggestions of things ways to reinvigorate ourselves because I'm also yeah anything no been, I'm tired I'm tired um tell us what they are on Twitter or something by DMing us or mentioning us in a tweet or something at red not read pod which is r-e-a-d-n-o-t-r-e-a-d-p-o-d i can spell i've been holding back on you guys for nine whole episodes hooray but um yeah tell us what are your tips and tricks for not being so tired or um yeah tips and tricks for getting cheap books because that's the train i'm on right now in the meantime we will see you at the end of october yes when the spookiest of all the Absolutely. months, the scariest, by reading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. So we hope you all have a blessed month. Yeah. And goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> I have to sneeze. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Spooky. <laughs> okay. Spoopy. <laughs>